Lord put in my heart to talk about His forgiveness, God's forgiveness. Amen. We know we to forgive others and all that. That's not just mainly what I'm sending on. Uh, there are promises in His book that states that when God forgives us, we're forgiven. Right? How many of you went through life as a Christian says, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. I don't feel like God is forgiving me for a certain sin. And it, it almost like it stays with you. you know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's like we don't trust in the grace of God. And I was preaching to myself. <laughs> I was listening to the word of God. And I, was just, I was slowly reading these verses because I wanted to know what God said about his forgiveness. When I repented of my sins, did God forgive me? Did God cover those sins? Are they forgotten forever? Or is God going to bring them back up? See, sometimes as a Christian, we think that, you know, I, I fail God, I, I get forgiven, and I go back, and God brings back the judgment. Let me tell you something. God does not want to bring your old sins back up. Matter of fact, the Bible says we become a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So to understand that, God is not going to write your sins down for the first time you mess up. And then when you go mess up, he's going he's to, you know what I'm saying? Says we have an advocate, a covenant with God. That when we sin, we go to the Father and he forgives us. But as a Christian, when I got born again, and it took me a while to grab a hold of this. Every sin that I've ever committed from the time I was born till the time I get born again is gone. My Lord, come on somebody. It was erased in heaven. There's no marks for my past sins anymore. My Lord. <laughs> There's no marks for my mistakes, you want to call them. Like, they don't call them sins anymore in some churches. They call them mistakes. It's sin. That's what it is. God is not going to remember putting me on, on trial for something he's wiped off of the books. Something he's put as far as the, from the east as from the west. Because that's the forgiveness of God. He forgives you and he doesn't remember your sins anymore. Come on, somebody. The devil remembers them. <laughs> The devil tells you what you was, my Lord Jesus. But God doesn't remember them anymore. God has erased your sins from your life. There's no judgment for your sins anymore. If you, you ask God for forgiveness, if you, you put it before the Lord, it's gone. Anybody understand what I'm saying tonight? Nothing else is going to condemn you. You can't take your past sins and say, well, I'm going to hell for this. But have you repented of it? Have you asked God to forgive you? Have you truly, sincerely gave God your life and said, I'm, I'm forgiven of all my sins. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. How many feel guilty for your past sins? <laughs> you know why? It's because we so much don't want to offend God. We... We, we, we're so much ashamed of what we've done, right? Guilt settles in. But how many of you know God doesn't want you to stay there? God doesn't want you to feel guilty for something he forgave you of. Come on, somebody. 
He has redeemed you. He's washed you in his blood. No longer does God want you to feel guilty for that anymore. God wants you to be free. I can't be free as long as I'm bound by the sins of the past. Come on, somebody. Do we as people of God accept God's forgiveness? Who have you sinned against? You sinned against the Lord when you sin, right? And who are you to ask forgiveness for that sin? To God. And according to his word, if we come to him, he, we have a covenant or an advocate. I sing that law. God, you're my, Jesus is my lawyer. Jesus is, is the one that goes to God for me. So when I do sin, and you're going to sin at times, I hate to admit that. Look, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I, I feel God. Come on, somebody. I feel God. But I ain't going to go to bed till I make it right because of the Holy Spirit living in me. I'm not a child of the devil. I don't want to offend God. I don't want to sin against God. But he makes a provision in the scriptures that when you do, you, you, you got an advocate, or a lawyer, a covenant with him through Jesus Christ that your sins could be forgiven you. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 8. You can turn if you want. I'm not going to read a whole lot tonight. But I just want to get that point across. I remember a scripture I was reading, I think out of Isaiah. Chapter 33 of Jeremiah, verses uh, 8. The scripture said, said this. If the Lord has saved me, I'm saved. If the Lord has healed me, I'm healed. You ever ask yourself a question? We use that term, saved or born again. What were you saved from? Hmm? What were you saved from? What, 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 what did you need to be saved from? From sin. So, <coughs> if God never forgave you, you're still in your sin, right? If God never kept his word and just, you know, you just said a, a prayer and said, well, you know, I don't believe, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel saved. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Then God says, and I'm just using, I'll, I'll, God, you know, yeah, you, you're not saved. Would God say something like that? God's saying, no, you're not forgiven. You still need to feel guilty to make sure you purge your old sins out of your life. The more guilt you, you feel, the more, the more you're remorseful and repentive. God forgives. It's the problem is with us. We have a problem receiving that forgiveness. And you know, the thing about, we talk about a lot about faith a lot of times. You know, we, that's what I'm talking about. We're not allowing God to forgive us. Or not trusting in the blood of Jesus for complete forgiveness. What happens when forgiveness comes? Guilt is gone. What happens when forgiveness comes? Condemnation is gone. Huh? Peace comes in. If there's no peace, there's something wrong. Amen? And this is an Old, Old Testament uh, reading. 
I will cleanse them, talking about Jeremiah, was talking about the children of Israel that went into captivity. They were fixing to go into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. They had gotten into idolatry and all manner of sins. And God tolerated them for so, for so long. And he tolerated them until he said it's enough when Manasseh, uh, one of the kings, uh, not Manasseh, uh, yeah, Manasseh, one of the kings went in there. I think he was Hezekiah's son. When they started putting idols in the temple and, and started defiling the temple of, of, of God. And, and God said, this is it. I got enough. Come on, somebody. God allowed Manasseh to go into captivity. And I think it's either Kings or Chronicles. One of the, one of the, one of the Chronicles Kings testifies to Manasseh's repentance. Then God allowed him to come back and reign for 52 years. But because of that one, that sin that he'd done, defying the temple of God, God was going to judge Israel. And he would not let it go. Because you see, what they were doing, they were just playing with God, Kevin. They wasn't truly repenting. When he got in trouble, God would raise up a, a king and, and he'd get right a little while, but he'd go right back. You know what I'm saying? There was no true repentance. There was no true confession. Their heart wasn't tr truly into accepting God's grace and God's forgiveness. Jeremiah's saying this about right about the time they're fixing to go into captivity for 70 years on the, on the, of, of, on the Nebuchadnezzar. He gives a promise. They're going to come back here one day. I'm going to put them into bondage, but they're going to come back 70 years later. They came back to that same spot. You know what they've done? They build the temple and they build the walls back up. And the old man that remembered, I remember reading that, that touched me. So the old man that remembered the glory of the temple before it was destroyed, when they came back, they was just like 70 years later, they, they were old, old, old men, but some of them remembered, and they wept, and they, they worshiped God. God, we're back. We can worship in your house now. We, 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 we took for granted what you had set up for us, and we went into sin, and we did not honor what you set up. Now we're back again, and they cried and they worshiped. They saw the temple again. Jeremiah said it like this. I will cleanse them, and he's prophesying. I will cleanse them from all their iniquities, by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities, by which they have sinned, and by which they have transgressed. And I said, that's a promise. Come on, somebody. Did y'all got the right one, Jeremiah 33, 8? I'm going to cleanse them from all their sins. I'm going to pardon all their iniquities. I'm going, to, they, they, I'm going to give them a chance to come back into my presence, a chance to worship me again, and a chance to do what is right. But I've got to go and allow them to purge out that old sin. They would not repent. They got into bad idolatry. Bad wickedness. And they had to be brought to a place where they, listen, when they left Babylon from that captivity, Israel never had a problem with idolatry again. Never in the records. Of course, we have religious idolatry with the Pharisees and all that stuff. But they never, they never put up an idol ever in a temple again. The one that did that, and you know, you, you heard about the uh, Maccabees. They, 
Even the Catholic Church has a book of Maccabees. Not, not inspired, but it's, it's a historical thing that the Maccabees, during the time of Maccabees, the, uh, the, 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 I don't know, the Greeks or whoever it was, they reared up a, a, a swine t- uh, in, in, the, in the temple. And they revolted. The Israelites revolted. I'm getting a long story. They would never have a problem with idolatry ever again. And they never accepted idolatry. But they had to get right with God. If you read through history, and I'm just going to be a little history lesson. If you read the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah were commanded by King Azarstes, whatever his name was, to come and to rebuild Jerusalem. And Nehemiah came into the, and I'm sorry, Ezra first came in and he saw the debauchery that was taking place. They had started sinning again. Just come out of captivity. And they were right back, going back. And he had to warn them. There were certain sins that had to be dealt with. And he dealt with that. Then there comes Nehemiah. And he started building the wall. And, and, and listen, they had some problems with people that wanted to rebel against God. But evidently they made it right. I like the part when Ezra opened up the, the law. To the people, and he read it to them. And Ezra, they, they believe Ezra was the one that set up the synagogue system. And all. I know the whole story. There had to be a repentant heart. God had to bring them to repentance, and God forgave them. And they started worshiping God according to what God commanded. But for 400 years, from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, there was no evidence that God was moving. God was silent. I don't know why. why. That was the time during the, the time of Cleopatra and Mark Anthony. Uh, all these, these, when the Romans were coming into power. But he was silent. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene. What's the first thing he does? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. What did John the Baptist tell him to do? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And the thing about that, John the Baptist was actually the last Old Testament prophet. Because Jesus came. <laughs> Jesus came on the scene, was baptized by John. He, he was going to be the pro- he, He's the Messiah. So John the Baptist was the, old, the last Old Testament prophet. John the Baptist was holding the old law. And when Jesus came in, Jesus was teaching them a new way. Because you remember that thing where he said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. You heard how Jesus said, he said, but I say unto you, if one smite you on one cheek, give him the other cheek also. So it's clear that Jesus was getting them used to the grace of the cross. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He was getting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, if one smite you on one cheek, give him the other also. So Jesus was teaching them how to accept grace under the cross. Understand that? So we're coming from, from, from Ezra and Nehemiah developing the, the synagogue system and putting 
the synagogue system in place. And there comes John the Baptist closing off the Old Testament prophets. Because everything after John the Baptist, the New Testament was coming in through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. John 1, no, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, I'm sorry. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. John wasn't writing to lost people. John wasn't writing to the heathens. John wasn't writing to the pagans. He said, children, this was the church. I write unto you because your sins are forgiven. See, he couldn't tell some of these things to lost people. He's the one that wrote the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, he, he brings out things that a, a lost person can't understand because it's only, he's dealing with the church. When he's writing the Gospel of John, I personally believe he's trying to reach the church. He's trying to give them the message of Jesus. Now, who's gonna, who I kind of lost person? Even Nicodemus could quote the first five books of the Bible by heart and knew all the prophets. When Jesus came to him, he said, except the man be born again, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. John uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a scribe, a big dog in, that, in the Pharisee religion, so to speak. He came to Jesus. He said, how can this thing be? So can a man enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. And he's still troubled with this. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus tells Nicodemus, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know this? How many preachers stand behind a pulpit and don't even know the grace of God? Don't know the word of God? Preaching some philosophy they lost learning some book somewhere and not in the Bible. <laughs> are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know? You don't understand? Unless you're born of the water and the spirit. And that don't mean water baptism. <laughs> that means water in the mom. You got to be born to be born again, right? So you're born from your mother. And then, then you come and you're born of the spirit. Two birds. Not your bird and a physical bird. That's the only way you can explain it. Now you go tell a lost person that. That never sat and heard the gospel. They're going to take you a nut. They don't want to know what you're talking about. That's why John is specifically writing in the gospel of John to the church. Every new Christian I've led to the Lord said, you start in the gospel of John. Because God's going to teach you who Jesus is. God's going to teach you who Christ is. Hallelujah. The grace and the power of our Lord to teach us what the Holy Ghost wants to teach us as Christians. But John is the same one that wrote this verse. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You don't, listen, people say, well, we're all sinners. No, we're not. People say, well, explain that to me. I'm not saying we're not, we, don't, we don't have dealing with sin. But as for the category of a, a sinner sins because he's a sinner. And believe me, I'm not justifying Christian sinning. But when a Christian sins, he goes to God. There's no desire in his heart to sin. Unfortunately, we give it into the flesh sometimes. 
But a sinner, if he can get away with a lie, he's going to get away with it. Because he has no conviction of thou shalt not. He doesn't know the forgiveness of God. Come on, somebody. Paul made it very clear in, in the book of Romans, especially chapter 6 and 7 and 8. We're free from the law of sinning. Sin, we're free from the law of sinning. Let me read it to you. I'm missing it. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read it to you. My tongue is getting twisted. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you, okay? He made it very clear out of these passages. Sin shall not have dominion over you. What does that mean? Okay. What does it mean when it says sin shall not have dominion? Sin is not going to control you. Sin don't dictate your life. Sin don't direct you and tell you what to do. Sin is not your Lord. Come on, somebody. It says here, there is therefore no condemnation, verse 1, to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is what? No condemnation. Listen, if you're feeling condemned, that's not God. Conviction is another story. <laughs> but condemnation is not from the Lord. If you're born again and you're feeling condemned of the sins of the past, you better see. First of all, you're forgiven of them. Did you really? Or if you did, amen, Satan is the one condemning you. You don't have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who live not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, what? Come on, somebody. Free from the law of sin and death. Listen, there's two laws we're looking at here. There's the law of condemnation, which is the Ten Commandments. Nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. They're wonderful. We should observe them. And Father, it's not ten opinions like I say. This is thus said the Lord. But the law is there to convict you. The law says condemnation upon you because it says, if you do this, you will die. Come on, somebody. If you follow the laws of sin... You're destroyed by God. You're not going to walk with the Lord. That's what he's saying. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of what? The law of sin and death. People don't like this, but Ten Commandments are wonderful, but they are the law of sin and death. Now, what that means is that it, it's there to show you your sin. It's to bring judgment upon you. That's why we come back to Jesus. And we seek, my God, we seek his blood. We seek forgiveness. That's the only way you're going to be free from that sin condemnation. Praise God. It's through the blood of Jesus. And he washes those sins away. Now you're free from the law of sin and death. That don't mean you don't have to do them. Because they're God's character. They're God's, God's moral standard. They're God's way. But they're no longer condemning you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Because you're not under the law, the sin of the law of dead. You're under the law of the spirit, which sets you free. That's what it says, did it? It sets you free from the law of sin and death. I, I was preaching a while back, and that's one of the biggest uh, responses we got on the Internet. One most listened of our podcast was the, the message of law and grace. <laughs> See, those two are not contradicting each other. Law brings you to grace. Come on, somebody. 
Law tells you what your sins is, and grace forgives you of those sins. Hallelujah. Thank God we have a way. If you're you're living in sin, you're dying in sin, you're going to hell. Not because there's not a way, it's because you didn't choose that way. You didn't trust that way. (laughs) Come on, when I say God has forgiven you, it's gone. Listen, I don't care what kind of life you lived in the past, as long as you put it under the blood of Jesus, every sin you've ever committed is gone. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful message. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, wait a minute, what what couldn't the law do? It couldn't get your sins forgiven. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now watch, what is he telling you? Praise God. What the law could not, the law could never get erased, could never erase sin out of your life. I found myself trying to keep it. And believe me, with all my heart, I wanted to, I wanted to, and I still follow the Ten Commandments other than, you know, Sabbath day because Jesus was our rest. But at least nine of them were carried on in the New Testament. Your sins have separated you from your God. That's what the Bible teaches. But now, <laughs> as a believer, <laughs> I don't look to the law for grace. I look for the law to show, lead me to grace. You understand? The law is holy. It's just. It's right. And what it was designed to do is to show you your sin so you can go to God for repentance. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Now we're walking in the Spirit. Now we're walking in the Spirit. We're not bound by the dictates of the law. But we're walking in the Spirit. It doesn't mean you don't keep the Ten Commandments. Don't, don't, don't look at me straight. That's what I'm teaching this morning. But salvation is not in the law, but in the cross. Right. This is, I'm not going to be much longer, but it's the truth. Salvation is not in the law, but in the cross. And if my salvation's in the cross, there's no condemnation to me, for I am in Christ Jesus. For I don't, you see, the law agrees with flesh. The law, I mean, I'm sorry, flesh agrees with the law. The, the, the law tells you what flesh is, what, what sin is. How I many know that sin is not of God? Sin is of the devil. Sin is of the flesh and sin is of the world. The law teaches you what it is. So you can't tell, you can't stand before God and say, well, God, I didn't know. Yes, you do. I, I felt the Lord maybe teach, telling me in the next few weeks, Lord, but I'm going to teach you on the Ten Commandments. The standards of the Ten Commandments. Listen, if you love God, you, 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 you're not going to want to make you no idols. If you love God, you, you're not going to want to do things that are unjust, honor, dishonor your father and your mother. Maybe, you know, you're not going to want to do none of that stuff. Hallelujah. I want you to look at me in chapter 6 real quick. I guess I'll stay in Romans for a little while. Verse 
No, I'm sorry. Well, let's read chapter 6, but verse 16 first. Because I have it marked out. Do you not know to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You're one slave to whom you obey. In other words, who you give yourself to be part of, you become a slave to it, right? Now, Paul is making a, 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 a suggestion, not a suggestion. He's telling you right now that whoever you bound yourself to, that's who you belong to. Whether sin under debt, go ahead and read it, or obedience under righteousness, okay? Sin under debt, let me finish reading. You obey. Whether sin under debt or obedience under righteousness, whoever you put yourself in camp with, that's who you belong to. If, you, if, you, if, you're in, if you're living in sin, you're a slave to Satan. Come on, somebody. If you're, if you're living in righteousness, you're a slave to God. You can't be a slave to both. Come on. Can't eat at the Lord's table and the devil's table at the same time. The Bible is clear that there's a separation. You got to you either walking for the Lord or you're walking for the devil. Come on. The temple of God can't have agreement with idols. You ever read that part in the Bible? Light can't have fellowship with darkness. Christ can't have fellowship with Balor or the devil. For what communion had these things with one another? They're separate. They're opposite from one another. So God forgives you because he knows if there's sin in your life, you can't fellowship with him. So you can't tell me, well, I'm a sinner. God has no fellowship with sinners. Only if they repent. And there's serpent subjects where sometimes sinner cries out to God and he shows. But let me tell you something. To really have fellowship with God, you've got to be born again. Your sins have to be forgiven. You can't be for God today and for the devil tomorrow. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, you can't get to heaven living like hell. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have to remember, we're under the grace of God. We're under the forgiveness of God. We're under the mercies of God. What the law couldn't do, the law told you what sin was, but the law couldn't get that sin forgiven for you. The law didn't pay the price. The law, the law was good and just, but it was, it was a schoolmaster that carried you to the cross. It carried you to Jesus. When you're in distress, and when you feel in despair, ask the Lord to put its arm around you and see what happens. Come on, somebody. Jesus puts his arm around us and sees what happens. See what happens. Ask the Lord, the Lord, the law, the Lord, the law to comfort you when you're feeling down and under and depressed. Paul says in chapter 7, the law is dead. The law wants to kill you. Because it wants to kill you. Listen, we don't want to talk about. Go back and you, you know, when you get a chance, whenever you feel you want to have an ear for study, go look at what the law stands for in, in, in the book of Exodus. 
Go see what the penalty was for those things. Some of those things, you, they would kill you. you. You commit idolatry, you were dead. There was no repentance. You would commit adultery, dead. There was no action for forgiveness. The, the penalty was dead. Anything under the law, you curse your father and mother, well, guess what they do? They stone you to death. That wouldn't go too good in the public school today. <laughs> they would stone you to death. Because the law is holy. The Ten Commandments are holy. Come on, somebody. But they're not salvation. Jesus. Now watch. The, the part about this whole thing is what the law couldn't do, Jesus done. Come on, somebody. I'll pray, I'll pray. Listen, this is wonderful. What the law couldn't do in freeing you from condemnation and sin, Jesus done it. The law told you what sin was. Now they had to go every year and offer all these animals and all these sheep. Every, you know, every year they was going up there and offering a sacrifice for sin. The priest had to offer for himself, and also the people had to get off sins offered. Sheep by the thousands and thousands. And, and Lord knows how many of them, bulls and goats and sheep and blood was always pouring out of that altar. But now Jesus, one sacrifice, paid the price for sin one time. Now the atonement for mankind was made. Now whether mankind wants to accept that atonement and accept that forgiveness... Come on. He's lost. God's mercy endures forever for those that trust him. Let me almost finish with this. <laughs> I could never finish with it, but it's so good. Verse 23. <laughs> For the wages of sin, somebody read that for me. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that's what I'm talking about. Sin brings death. The law brings death. Come on, but eternal life is through Jesus Christ. The law kills the law condemns but Jesus brings life do you understand that we accept what Jesus did and when, when we're forgiven we're forgiven there's listen most people say well, I'm so ashamed of my past and you know there is some truth to that because I am ashamed what I used to do but i got to remember, I died. <laughs> that old man was buried with him through baptism. Come on. Jesus made it clear that I died to this old world. That's what the baptism was about, the symbolic burial and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as Jesus was died on the cross, he was, he was buried, he rose again. So do I raise to a newness of life. My life is brand new. It, it can't be brand new if I still got my old sins. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? 
It can't be brand new if I still got my old sins. Now listen, God works with us. Listen, some, this I never got saved. Like I said, this flesh is still fighting God. It's got pride in it. It's got anger in it. It's got bitter. It's got a lot of things that, that's in it. And that's why I say we got to crucify that flesh. That means we have to submit that flesh to God's word. And we got to crucify it by not allowing it to control our lives. Because it is not your Lord. It is not your one that controls you. It has no dominion over you. Sin, flesh, and the devil has no dominion over you. You have been made free through Jesus Christ. Your sins is forgiven. Don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, you remember what you did 20 years ago. You devil. I ask God to forgive me. If you want to find that old man, he's buried in the bayou somewhere. You want to go look for him? Go find him. But I'm a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm brand new in the Lord. I don't have to feel your condemnation anymore and guilt anymore. I've been made free through the blood of Jesus. My God, let's hear this tonight, praise God. Thank God we had church tonight. I've been made free through the blood of Jesus. I'm no longer bound by the most sins anymore. God has made me a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's what it's about. Enjoy your life with the Lord. You've been made free. Worship God. You're not going to hell anymore. Worship God. You've been made free from sin and death. God has set you free. He's not going to open that book when you get to glory and show you your sins you've done 20 years ago. Or even, even sins as a Christian, he washes them out. We ask forgiveness even as believers. That don't mean you're, you're perfect. And that don't mean you don't sin sometimes. Because still, we're still bearing this old flesh. And I'm not justifying sin in no shape or form. But we have to have the blood of Jesus to cover our sins. Even as Christians, we, we, we wrestle. Listen, it does me something terrible when I offend God. Listen, I, I'll, I'll go sometimes days just, just bothered in my spirit. Why would I want to do that, man? Why would I? Listen, I was watching a, 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 a movie today about Jesus' crucifixion, me and Bogan. And, and, and he showed him mutilated and beat up. My brother-in-law came in. And he stood there and he was looking. And they had tore our Lord in the movie. They tore. And it's just a picture of what happened. And I'm not lying to you all. He stood up there and he watched that and he said, I got to go. I said, before that, I told him, he said, that's what he paid. That's what he did for us. That's what he paid for us. He did that for our sins. And he stood there about a minute or two. He couldn't take it anymore. He had left. Because we, we, we don't see the price Jesus paid sometimes. We don't see the mercy that he, what he took on that cross. The shame that he took on that cross. The beatings that he, that he the shame and humiliation and, and the suffering. The, the, the unbearable suffering. Meanwhile, was watching it. Him going up to the cross and just watching. I said, man, I shall be glad when he, when he gets there. They'd beat him and knock him down and kick him and, and, and spit on him. And, and the shame. And you, he, I said, how could a man take so much? I said, you know what the devil was trying to do, Book? The devil was trying to stop him from getting to that cross. He wanted to kill him before he got there. Because he would have stopped God's word.
from coming to, to pass. But thank God for the power of God. Thank God God led him to the cross. Thank God let him, let him make it there, praise God, because that's where redemption took place. That's where redemption, redemption took place. Fixing the close, Moses was in the mountain receiving God's law. And, and he's, he's God's, I'm pretty sure, and I believe that at all my, how the kid he know from Genesis and the first five, but how he knew how to write about Abraham and Noah and, and all, all. I believe God was speaking to him on detail. In those 40 days, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and dark. God was telling Noah all the names. And he was speaking to Noah. Everything. And I know Moses, I'm sorry. Moses, everything that he was going to write down. And watch. When he came, God told Moses, you need to get down there. Your people are corrupting themselves. And you remember a few days before that, he had given them, the people himself heard God. And he told them his commandments. And he said, they're all scared. He said, Moses, you tell God, you talk to God, we'll listen to you. And they all ran. But here they are, they're at the bottom of the mouth. I'm going to show you something, praise God. I think this is the first application of grace that I've seen in the oh, no, with Noah and the ark and all that. But the ask for application... Of grace, Moses came down angry because here they are making that golden calf, okay? And he had God's law in his hand. And everyone at the bottom of that mountain was breaking every one of those laws. <laughs> Moses broke the Ten Commandments in front of them. You know, one of the reasons I believe that and I heard that and I believe it stuck to me is because if he would have an Activated them commandments to those people. Everyone would have been dead. The whole gang would have been killed. So by breaking them, he offered grace. Come on, somebody. He offered grace to them by breaking them. If he went up there and implemented those ten commandments, that wouldn't have been one of them left alive. Then he went back and he received the Ten Commandments again and brought them back. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, even as a Christian, I've broken God's law. Listen to me. I've angered God. I've, at times I was in church, falling away. And God brought his son to me. And he said, I know you've broken my law, but here's grace. It could be forgiven. And I cried out to him, not once, not twice, a lot of times. And he forgave me. What if that covenant with Jesus wouldn't have been there? I'd still be in my sin. Still be heading for hell. Moses acted upon the grace, upon grace and broke those Ten Commandments because none of them could keep it. You couldn't keep it. I couldn't keep it. Hallelujah. God has forgiven you tonight, okay? Learn to accept that. 
If you've confessed your sins to God and you've repented, they're gone. They're not to be remembered anymore, okay? One more verse, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to read this one more. In verse 2 of chapter 7, and I want you to use this for analogy. For a woman is bound by her husband as long as her husband lives, but when her husband dies, she's free to marry another one, another person. Now what that means is that the husband's alive. And, she, and I'm going to read it to you, but you can read it for yourself. You read chapter 7 of Romans. That, 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 that tells a whole lot. But the law died. You were bound by the law as long as the law was there. But now you're married to another. Come on, somebody. You're married to Jesus. You're married to the grace of God. You're married to the, 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 the anointed one, the Savior of the world. Now, don't get me wrong because people think, well, he's telling me not to follow the law. No, I'm not. You, you live in sin, you're bound by that sin. Wherever you obey, if you obey sin, you're bound by the law. If you live in sin, you're bound by that law. But if you're under grace, you're forgiven. All your sins are washed away. All your sins are forgiven. I do this when I share with people. I say, wouldn't it be great to have a brand new start? Wouldn't it be great to, to start all over again? That every sin you've ever committed, God is willing to forgive you of? Mama, most of them say, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a weight just loaded off of you. The weight of sin. The weight and bondage of sin. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to close. And it's personal. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand or nothing, but are you forgiven? Is your sins forgiven? And if they are, why are you still condemning yourself? Huh? This ministry here, the thing that I want to do more than anything is teach people to live in freedom. Not free from to go do what you want, but freedom in Christ. And knowing you're not bound by your old life anymore. That God has given you a brand new life. And he's starting all over again. You're not bound by sin and death. You're not bound by, by, by the law. You're not bound by... All of that, you're bound by Jesus. Listen, I have no problem not lying because the flesh likes to try. But because I'm, I'm, I have the Holy Spirit and because I fear God, not lying is not as hard no more. Huh? Fear of God is not, fearing God is not. Listen, there's, there's, listen somebody says, you know, I, I never stopped smoking. I had the strength to stop myself. But let me put a gun to your head. You'll find the strength to stop. If you know you're going to die, you'll stop. The same thing with, with, with sin. You ever thought about what sin is? Death. If you're living in sin, you'll die. And you won't be with the Lord. 
We're made free from the law of sin and death. And I hope this helped tonight, praise God. I believe it's something that we need to understand. I think we need to trust in, in His Word, trust in His blood, trust in His forgiveness, trust in His grace. Because really, honestly, that's, that's what we live by. We're not living by the dictates of the, of the devil. See, the devil, the devil will tell you to do whatever you want. Whatever feels good, do it. The devil don't care who, who gets hurt. The devil don't care who gets messed up. That's his job. He, he, wants to, he wants to destroy people. But my Bible says Jesus comes that we might have life and have a more abundant life. How are you going to have abundant life if you're bound by something? I was talking to that same guy, and he was in his truck. He was telling me how he, he had unforgiveness and hatred toward people. You know what I told him? I said, the only one that's hurting is you. I told him that. I said, the only one that has been, they don't, they don't care if you, you don't have no, they don't care if you forgive them or not. I said, you're the only one that's hurting spiritually. You're the only one that's destroying your fellowship with God. God wants us free. The Bible is clear. If you forgive not men their trespasses, I told him, and look, I was right in his face, man. I was right. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I heard a lady tell a story. I was looking at, listen to uh, her testimony. Her son got shot. Somebody killed him. And she was torn to pieces, man. She was hurt. She was, she was angry. She was probably wished the crook would die or the murder would die. But God spoke to her heart. He says, I want you to go to the prison and talk to that person, that murderer. Tell him you forgive him. Oh, man. <laughs> I said, oh, man. She obeyed God. She went to that prison and she led that murderer the murder of our son to Christ. And he became like her son. Does that make sense to you? I mean, honestly, does logic tell you to do something like that? But she was free. <laughs> you understand? She didn't, she didn't have that wall in front of her anymore. She didn't have that, that bitterness in front of her anymore. Now she was free because she released that unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 